Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Welcome to Le Corner, a new episode today with Jose Garnes from CGP. Hi, Jose. How are you doing? Hi, guys. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm good. Excited to, to be talking to you. And today I'm with Samuel, as usual. How are you doing, Sam? Great. Thanks. Great to be with you guys. I very much look forward to the upcoming hour of conversation. Cool. Awesome. So basically, today we will speak about CGP, this new competition. It's awesome. Like, basically, Jose... Um, as you know, like I watched like the, the first events like um, in Bermuda and in Toronto, and it's like crazy in terms of competition, in terms of like entertainment. So we we, we all want to do, to learn more about like what is CGP and after what you are doing uh, at CGP. So maybe yeah, may, maybe just to introduce yourself like to, to to our audience, can you like just start by saying like what you're what you are doing, what is your background and stuff like that. Okay, so, well, it depends how far back you want to go. But um, I am from Mexico. Uh, I moved to the UK 13 years ago, nearly 14. Uh, and I came to the UK to, to study uh, film production. Um, I finished my degree and I went straight into uh, TV production, working in sport. Um, at the time that I graduated, uh, London was having the London Olympics. So there was a lot of work. On, on sport creation uh, for the London Olympics. So I work uh, in sport straight away, uh, and I fell in love with, with that kind of production. I always loved sport, and I always loved creating content. So it was a, a very, very easy line of work to get into. Um, I couldn't believe that someone was willing to pay someone to just sit down and research sport and then come up with stats and come up with um, interesting stories that we could be telling. And then if you fast forward um, the last 10 years, uh, I was working with a production company in, in London uh, called Sunset and Bind. And I was working there doing content for the Olympics. I spent four or five years doing content for the, for the Olympic channel, um, doing following uh, all the sporting federations like fencing, very random. But uh, that kind of gave me a lot of understanding on how important it is to tell the story for a sport that is not easily understandable and also a sport that is quite hard to create a connection with a, with the athlete. If you think about sailing, sorry, sailing and fencing, all the athletes look the same because they are quite heavily covered, right? They have either goggles, they have a helmet. There's not so really how, many... How do we identify them, in fact? Yeah. Exactly. How do you identify? How do I say I like athlete A, B, or C? Uh, and that kind of helped me a lot to, to understand what is needed so the audience can start relating to, to the athletes. And then uh, I was lucky enough that CellGP approached me at the end of 2019 uh, to join uh, their team as they had just completed their first season. So I joined CellGP uh, when they were starting to plan season two, which was at the beginning of 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. It was a, it was a period that a lot of sport took a pause, but for us, it was a, it was a good moment uh, as a new starter to really look hard on what we wanted to do and how we wanted to come back. So in 2021, um, we launched season two again, and we have an even busier calendar, which is great for us. And, and, and this year, uh, we're kind of focusing on, on having a full nine events uh, in our season two of CellGP. So that is a super quick summary of where I come from and what am I doing right now. Cool. That's awesome. And if you need to speak a little bit about CGP and how you created like this competition, like because basically, like I'm not like uh, in the sailing world, uh, but basically now I'm watching a little bit CGP. Uh, Why? Because it's like awesome in terms of uh, entertainment. Um, what what was the initial idea to create this competition? So CGP um, really comes from um, it, it was co founded by Larry Ellison, who is the co-founder um, of Oracle, which is a huge uh, technology company in the U.S., in San Francisco. 
and also co-founded by uh, CEO Russell Coots, who is uh, an Olympic medalist, uh, America's Cup winner, and uh, an all-rounder uh, sailor. And together, they have been working to get, uh, together with in the America's Cup, which is a very long-standing sailing competition. And in 2017, they decided to step away from the America's Cup, the way those events were run. And they decided to create a more sustainable championship. And when I say sustainable, it's not just on the eco-friendly side, which is very important and is something that is at the core of what we do. And I can talk about it that later, but also sustainable financially, which means that we can actually have a, uh, a competition or a championship that goes through uh, every year, and it doesn't kind of drop teams depending if we can find the funding or not. Um, in the past, the America's Cup has been very successful, but you need to have quite a lot of funding to just run one team. When in CellGP, what we want to do and what we are doing is have a competition with a solid level of teams racing every championship, and also that allows our fans to to be able to be attached to a team. And then we add to that that it's a nation versus nation. So you have the Australians, the New Zealand, USA, Great Britain, France, um, Denmark, Spain, having national teams on the championship. That It allows that when we go to those markets, when we race locally, there's a team that the fans can, can cheer for. Versus in other sailing competitions like the America's Cup, it was a blend of different athletes from different nations, which did allow to have very strong teams, but it, it was hard for fans from maybe a country like Spain to be able to relate to a specific team. It's exactly yeah. like the, the kind of issues that you can have in the cycling environment. Like you have like big brands, but they are changing exactly. their name like every two years and it's really hard to identify yourself to a team. Yeah, yeah and it also makes sense because America's Cup, I would say any sports fan knew about the competition, but I'm not sure anybody had a pick of who was his favorite team it was just like a big event that you followed but you didn't really create retention throughout the different years so i guess yeah i, I would say if i understand it well there were two main objectives is one building a more sustainable fan base and two building a more sustainable business model to keep supplying content to that fan base and make it a rational business model because i'm assuming that between the oracle side of things that we're probably spending a lot of money for the america's cup that was not profitable at all. And the competitors that were only only had big competitions in a very non-often rhythm, um, I'm assuming it, it makes sense for those two to pair up and to, to create CLGP. Exactly. And I think it's also about making a racing championship that is exciting by having equal votes. So what happens in other forms of, of sailing is is sometimes down to the funding of a specific team. So similar to a uh, motorsport championship, that whoever has the biggest pocket will have, will have the better car or the be better sailing boat, which it is exciting in a way because then you can see the pinnacle of development and technology, but then you only see that on two teams or maybe you only see it in one team, right? And then that's not really a race it, because you take the fun out of who is going to win at any given moment. And we know that that a motorsport championship that is quite famous is struggling with that. That they didn't, they only have a one horse race every single race weekend, and and they struggle to find a way to to keep the, the interest going after halfway of the season because the winner is probably already decided. So in CLGP, all of our teams, and this is what is exciting, is they have the same tools. There's no a team if they have a bigger uh, sponsor, they might get a bit more training. But the boat and the tools that they actually have on the water is exactly the same. And also to add a layer to it is all the data that they collect. So uh, when did they did a maneuver? When did they uh, find a bit more gust of wind to make them go faster? All of that data is available to all of the teams in real time, and they can see what the other team is doing. So there's no secrets within the championship which means that an athlete who is doing very well on the first two races, their advantage can be lost because the, team can, the other teams can learn what they're doing well and they then can improve. And likewise, the team that has been doing well, they can see what the other teams have, have been doing well and they can make sure they can capitalize on those weaknesses of the other teams. 
So suddenly you create a championship that is open for anyone to win or to lose. That's super interesting. It's like a, it's like an, you know, like the drafting system of the private American leagues is exactly that purpose. But that one is kind of a 2.0 version of that with more digital, you know, elements that you can capitalize on. That sounds very exciting. Yeah, and I think that is when suddenly you can, if you start connecting the dots backwards, that you can see that the partnership with Oracle uh, and and having them as one of our uh, main partners makes sense because we could have a, a sailing series easily, right? Like we can put the event and everyone can race, but then have all the data, all the information that it will help the, the, the teams, the athletes, the fans to really dive in and digest and find ways to improve. That is, you know, if we didn't have them, I don't think we will get there in two or three years. It would have taken a long time to find the right partner that will be willing to go where we need to go to, to have all of that data available to us in a very quick time. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, maybe I haven't explained this. When I say quick, it's within a blink of an eye. So all of the data is available to everyone in, in faster than we can blink which is just incredible. It's not something that you need to wait until the end of the event to start seeing what people did. We can, we can actually see all that information at any given moment. And also our fans can see that information in our CellGP app. Um, and also we are going to be launching a website where people can then see even more information called uh, CellGP Insights that is powered by Oracle. We're two questions in and you're making me want to watch a sales GP event, which I have never done. <laughs> good, good. Um, I, I have another one for you, uh, Jose, actually. Like when you are speaking about sales GP, like um, especially when I'm speaking about sales GP with some friends, uh, I always compare the competition to Formula One. Like is it is it a goal to be the reference of selling like them uh, for motorsport? Because In fact, like the transformation of their competition will be next year. So you are speaking about like more competition between each team. It would be the case normally in Formula One next year. Regarding the content, I think you will have like same approaches too. Uh, do you see a link between Formula One, motorsport on, on the CGP? Um, yes, of course. I, th I think that they, in Formula One, they have been doing a great work. Uh, and I think since Liberty Media took over, you could see a, a real change on the way that we're telling the story. I think the racing itself hasn't changed much uh, because they had a, a lot of legacy issues on what we were talking about, the teams having bigger budgets than others and that really struggling to, to create an even, even feel. But I think what, what we could uh, like to emulate is the storytelling uh, and being able to have a consistent calendar uh, that people know when to tune in and, and know that there's going to be some quality racing, quality coverage uh, available. Of course, we want to be... We are different to Formula One in a way that we are a sustainable sport, uh, which means that when our boats are racing, we are not burning any fuel, uh, fossil fuel. Um, all of our boats are powered by nature. It's part of our tagline. I, I know it sounds a bit, a bit PR, but what I love about sailing is if you think about a sailing boat and an F-50, we can use the power of the wind three times Of its strength. So what it means that we are 300% efficient. So when you see the wind come into our, into our boat and we use that to move the boat forward, if it's um, 10 kilometers an hour, we can create the wind that it feels that is 30 kilometers an hour. When a, a motorsport car, the, 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 even the Formula One, the more efficient they are, I think they are around, I, don't, I, I think they are up to 80% efficient when we are 300% efficient. So in that side, yes, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from them. But also, I think there's a lot of things that we are very proud of what we're doing. And we think that the kind of uh, offering that we have as a sport and knowing how important it is for the world to be sustainable, we have an upper hand and, and we can continue to build this on this to really become a household name on the sporting calendar on years to come. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but on top of like the competition level, like when I'm comparing Formula One and CGP, uh, I, I think on maybe because we are like uh, in the business, but we see more and more interest from new generation uh, for new kind of competition like you, uh, because the format, the format is better suited to their consumption behavior, I guess. Um, and I think it's 
because the content is different and we think about content when we speak about like new competition. We can speak about Netflix for Formula One, for example, yeah. to gather like new audiences. Uh, is it the same on your end? And if of you course. can yeah, detail a little bit, like yeah, the scope of your activities, in fact. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is this: the sport itself, it, it, we we know that we need to to make a lot of uh, improvements to to be a household name. But then on the side of the content, completely, I think uh, we have a huge opportunity uh, to tell the stories of of our athletes. And as we have said before, and I think everyone knows, uh, the work that Formula One has done thanks to Liberty Media is huge. Uh, the way that they have transformed the YouTube channel. I remember a few years ago to watch a highlights of Formula One was nearly impossible on YouTube. You know, it was, they have, their rights were so uh, controlled by the broadcasters that you couldn't see it. Now, as soon as a practice race is finished, they're there available to you to watch and, and they get in huge numbers. So for me, as a in GP, that shows that fans want to have access to the coverage, that the, the, the coverage of the event doesn't have to change. It's just the immediacy of how they can watch it that has to change, that we need to allow our fans to be able to watch highlights, to be able to watch the full race recaps as soon as possible, and not just on broadcast, that we need to be really available in as many different platforms. And that not at, at this stage is your usual suspect, suspects, which is Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok or similar, where you really need to start putting that kind of content there because that's where people are consuming the sport nowadays. And that is one side, right? That is kind of your quick fix uh, sport. Then you have your long format storytelling, which uh, I think we all can agree that Drive to Survive is, is a great sport documentary. And that kind of has been a conversation topic on almost every discussion that I have about storytelling in sport. You should do a Drive to Survive. And I think that just shows to people that it certainly opened the doors to a lot of people that sport documentaries can be entertaining, that they don't have to be the sub story about an athlete coming back from an injury or an athlete having passed away and looking back to the story, that actually a sport documentary can be on the moment, on the season, and what they're trying to achieve and the struggles that are internally within a championship. Uh, and, and I think that is what we want to emulate and showcase that our sport is rich of those content stories that people can really dive into and start unraveling everything that is going behind the scenes. Um, yeah, we had an interesting what, conversation yeah. recently about that, about how to make those documentary pieces closer to real time. Like from, you know, the most exciting thing would be to have a documentary that's kind of before the race of the weekend, you actually had the documentary what has been happening behind the scene during that week, right? So there's kind of that element of bringing that into near life content in some kind of way, not near live as bite-sized highlights, but in terms of telling the story as it's happening to have even more engagement. It's yeah. something that sounds very appealing in terms of the new formats that should be very successful in the upcoming years. Yeah, one of my favorite series uh, is Hard Knocks by the NFL. Uh, and they do that very closely, which is uh, on the preseason of the NFL, they follow a team and they release an episode weekly and it's from the week before. And what I love is at the end of the show, you know that it has been done that week because the players react to the previous episode on what people were saying about how yeah. they perceive them, right? So suddenly you, for me as a storyteller, it's a nice nod to know, look, we did this on the week. It was pretty hard. And look, this is how the players are reacting. Uh, and But then talking to CLGP, that's something that we are, we are aiming for with our new... Um, long-form documentary series called um, Racing on the Edge, where we are releasing an episode before every race week. Uh, and that episode follows a story of an athlete that happened on the previous event and that it has, has a knock-on effect on the race event that you're about to see. And I can tell you that's very challenging to be able to turn around a, a, a story that quickly, even with four or six weeks, because what... All the sport documentaries do, like Drive to Survive, is a lot of looking back and taking the time to really unravel the stories and, and pick the great moments. And they take time. You know, they, it's not as easy as just say, shoot for a whole week and then put it together in 23 minutes. So what we're finding is 
is difficult, but at the end of the day, it's worth it because then you catch up the audience who might have missed the previous event or who were actually watching the previous event and they want to see really what is going on behind the scenes and what a how sorry and what knock on effect is going to have on the on the race that they're about to watch. Yeah, makes sense. And, and if you if you can detail a little bit like to our audience. What is like your daily activity? Not, not daily, maybe like weekly or monthly. I don't know that depends on the event, I guess. But Yeah, so my daily activity as, as head of content for, for CellGP is really um, working closely with my production team to plan and strategize what is about to come on the next event and to, to fill the gap in between event week. So in... Traditionally, for us in, in CellGP, we always so we always see uh, peaks of content uh, and, and that people are watching on race weeks, which is normal, right? So you have fresh content, there's a lot coming out, people are watching, but then the gap in between events, that's what we see a bit of. We don't a bit of a dip. We see a dip on, on content consumption. So the challenge for our team and a, on a daily basis is how can we maintain that attention and that engagement in between events. Um, so my day-to-day -day is just talking about what we should be doing on the next event, in between events, and I'm working with our partners on helping them to tell the story. I know, I know it sounds a bit vague, but it is a, it's the whole process of content creation. It's a never-ending process. And also every content idea starts as an idea. And the process from making an idea to something tangible as a piece of video is quite time consuming uh, and there's many processes that we don't see, but it's just something that that that, that that initial process needs to happen so we can see something at the end of the day. On, on that process, like uh, what is the current relationship that you have with all the teams because they are like really key in terms of communication and content gathering to create like great storytelling? Of course. So, so we have in CellGP eight national teams and, and the beauty of that is, is eight different ways of wanting to create content. Uh, and, and it's great because you have the Australians wanting to do something very different compared to the Spanish, compared to the French. And, and the relationship that we have with them is, is very close. Uh, and, and it is important that it's close because at the end of the day, the goal that we have as a league is to grow. And the only way we can grow is by showcasing their athletes, showcasing their story. And, That is a kind of a, a relationship that has to be a partnership. So we're lucky that in CellGP, we are one league with, not, with only one franchise, which is a Danish team. So everyone else is basically um, employed by CellGP. So we have a better access and a better line of communication with our athletes and our team. So we're really able to tell those stories that we need and the, that we need to tell because they're already bought into what we're trying to do. Versus if we were like the Premier League or um, the Bundesliga, that you will need to talk to the, to the team and say, can we please talk to your athlete? It will help us to do this and that. In this, in this situation in LGP, we don't have to do that. They are part of the same team, the same league that is trying to grow together. That sounds like a very right and, and modern business model. So... And how, how does that work exactly in terms of their, their relationship? Do you help them financially? Do you help them by providing them services? What is exactly the, the mindset that you have around that more MBA approach with maybe, you know, team business operations vertical where you would like mutualize some of the services? How does it work on the day-to-day -day beyond the content piece? Yeah, so the all of the seven out of the eight teams uh, are owned by CellGP. Our goal is that as we go through our life cycle is that we will have more franchises so teams can become independent and they can own more, more of the operation. But for the time being, for us to grow, you know, we need to, to remember we're only year two of this whole operation. We're very, very new. We control and manage and support them with all areas of the business from commercial, content creation, marketing uh, and distribution Of, of what we're trying to do, and even event operations. So when we go to um, Saint-Tropez in France, CellGP will support the, the local event team to have that event at the standard of every other event that we put in. Um, 
And I think that that business model helps a lot because then we can control a lot of the, the things that might be difficult for a new startup. So if we just invited a team to, to, to be part of CellGP and they didn't have the, the shared knowledge that we have, it would be 10 times more difficult for them to get up and running and to have a competitive team. And this is what we were saying at the beginning of, of this conversation is we're creating a level playing field, right? So if a team wants to join, they will have the same tools in commercial marketing, content creation, uh, sport performance as a team that has been with us for two years. So that really allows them to be at a same level to start becoming the best team, not just on the on the water, but also on commercially, but also on content creation. So it, it has a lot of benefits. Um, does it mean like if like a new country want to join the competition next season, it's totally doable on your end or do you have like some restriction? So we have a, we want to have um, a minimum of 10 teams in the future in the water. At the moment we have eight. Um, so yes, we, we will have more, more spaces available for teams to join. They do go through a process um, that is above my pay grade. But what okay. we want to do is have a, a, bigger, a bigger lineup because the bigger lineup that we have, the more exciting the, the racing becomes. Uh, the, when I watch Bermuda um, after 14 months of not racing, and then you see eight teams on the water racing so close to each other, you go, wow, okay, this is what we're trying to do. Now imagine having 10 boats on the water it's just going to be incredible because the, the, the athletes are on board. They're really the best of the best, and they're really pushing the limit uh, to try to come on top. Uh, and I think that is what is going to create more excitement going forward by having a packed field. Yeah, definitely. And that's awesome. Like, if you, if you didn't watch, like, say, GP, you need just, like, at least to watch highlights, you know, just to check like all how it's amazing like to see like on the sea like yeah eight boats as, as you mentioned and sometimes you have like crashes and like it's like really really crazy and it it seems like a quite dangerous too honestly <laughs> yeah and i think it's part of what we all watch racing right like i don't think anyone watches a, a race just to to see someone dominate a field it is good and, and we need to appreciate the craft that that is behind a team who can dominate but at the same time, we all tune in for the drama. We all tune in for, for the action. Uh, and we don't want to say that we encourage crashes, not at all, is the fact that we want to see athletes competing at the highest level. And to compete at the highest level, you need to have good competition around them. So knowing that we can have a packed field of athletes that are going to go to extremes to win is what we think is going to make people tune in and follow our championship. Yeah, makes sense. And regarding like the storytelling that you are providing to your audience, are you targeting like more your media partners? Um, are you more using like your own social channel on platform? What is the strategy around that? Yeah, so we we use a lot of our um, digital channels. So we have a, a strong presence on Facebook. Uh, we're growing our presence on uh, on YouTube and. Instagram has proven quite popular for us. Um, so that's where we output a lot of our, our content. Um, race highlights uh, and full race recaps are available on Facebook and YouTube. And that's where we've seen a lot of viewership. Like people are either tuning in live, but also coming back uh, to rewatch in case uh, the stream wasn't available in their country at that time of day. Um, but also we have a very... Um, robust uh, distribution um, partner with, with IMG. And they help us to, to be across the world in terrestrial uh, channels. So we are with, in the UK with Sky Sport, in France with Canal Plus, in uh, Spain with TVE, uh, Australia, uh, um, Fox Sport and Kyo Sport, New Zealand, Sky Sports, US, CBS. So, you know, as a new proposition, uh, to know that you can be in that many territories and also in territories that we have teams racing, it shows that it helps us to, to grow and have that visibility. And, and of course, we use our partners and we're starting to use them a bit more to help us to tell the story. So 
our two biggest partners are Oracle and Rolex. Uh, and they do help us on, on kind of diffuse and not diffuse that, uh, share that story of CellGP, but also our other newer partners are helping us as well to tell the story because what we find out is as soon as people buy into CellGP, even with our partners, they're excited to tell the story. They're excited to tell the, either their customers or their fans to say, this is cool, you should watch it. Uh, and that is, is quite refreshing to see that people want to be part of CellGP and want to, to tell their own way, their own story. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it is important to say that for a competition that is only two years old to have probably the or one of the bi biggest broadcasters in all of the territories that you mentioned, because that those are all the key players in those territories, as well as major sponsors that are accompanying you like Rolex that really know what they do and have really managed to do very well with their sponsorship means that there's definitely something very solid uh, happening in the background. Yeah, completely. And I think that is just, it is um, a way to know that we're doing things well, but also a bit of pressure to know we need to keep delivering. That That is not just, we have launched this, we are season two, we know what we're doing. Is okay, this, we have the, the commitment of all these brands, all these broadcasters. Now it's time to keep delivering uh, and to show that this is just the beginning and that we want to be here for the long run. So uh, I think it plays in, in two ways, uh, having that, that back backing from, from the people that you just described. And how do you measure your progress? You want to, to be there like for a long term, like uh, partnership with your partners, with the, 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 the media partners too and your audience. How do you measure the success right now? Um, well, I think that's a difficult... That's a one. tricky question. It's a tricky, tricky <laughs> question, but what I can tell you is we, we didn't start... Well, the... Russell and Russell Coote and Larry Ellison didn't start CellGP as a one-off. Let's just do this for two years and then uh, we celebrate what we achieved. This was uh, created with the goal to have a sustainable sport uh, and a sustainable championship. So we want to go beyond uh, five, six, ten seasons. This is we want this to become a, as I, as I say, as a, a flagship. Uh, sporting series that is coming every year that you can expect and you can follow. That is the ambition. And I think we, we have the right foundations to be able to build from that and achieve those goals. Yeah. And you, you spoke a lot about like sustainability. Uh, can you explain like more like what you have in mind on what CGP want to do uh, around this world? Yes, I think sustainability is always uh, one of those conversations that either you want to listen or you go, here we go again. Um, but I think for us it's very important because it's natural to what we do. Like, as I was saying, our boats are powered by nature. They are powered by the wind. And so it's an easy, easy relationship, right? Like we're not trying to pretend that uh, we can be more eco-friendly eco by just flying less. That's something that we're doing, but... The, the actual sport itself is connected hand-to-hand -hand with, with nature. Um, so we're taking then a step further by all of our production, um, or sorry, the majority of our production is done remotely. So when you see some uh, like our one of our broadcasts in the future, all of the features, all of the, the, the TV directing, everyone that is on a TV gallery, which is around, 40 people, you know, when you count them all together, they are all based in London. So that means that uh, around 80 flights didn't have to take it, uh, didn't have to happen to go and cover that event. That all these people just got in one place and they didn't have to fly. And we are able to produce a uh, first class content uh, production or broadcast production. So what we're looking is, we want to reduce our footprint, but also we're using the tools that were already at our disposal, which is goes back to how we use our data, how we use uh, Oracle to help us to, to do that. And as well, we're trying to, part of our being sustainable is bringing different demographics and diversity into our sport. And it's not just on the talent that we have on the water. It is very important that, that we are more inclusive, but also the people that work behind the scenes. Uh, I think uh, 
it is it is known that dicelling is a is not very diverse. And we're looking, we're working very hard when we go to events uh, to to bring and give uh, apprenticeships to local people from any different backgrounds to join uh, and to see what it takes to put an event. It can be from uh, boat building, event operation, content creation. So for us, being sustainable is not just on reducing a carbon footprint. It's very important, and we're aiming to do that. But it's also diversifying the sport and allowing different people to join and be part of, of this journey. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you chat with other organizations about that, like to have like a common project? Um, oh, you're going to get me on this one, David. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but actually, like it's a concern, like for you, but like for all organization, I think like in the sport industry or not, not only in the sport industry, actually. Yeah. Sorry. Do you mind if we cut that one up? Uh, I, I, do, <laughs> I do have an answer. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we, we know that one of our unique, uh, selling points is that our, our ambitions is in sustainability and what we're trying to do. And, and I think a lot of partners sees, they see that, that the way forward is to work together on finding a more sustainable uh, sport. So most of the brands that join us uh, have that goal in mind and they have joined us because they know that the plans that we have and the ambitions that we have to, to be more sustainable. That's super interesting to speak about like sustainability and um, what is the place of innovation uh, for sustainability, but not only um, in, in, in your organization. Like, do you innovate on some specific areas around your, your concerns? Yeah, so for us in, in content creation is we are moving more into the cloud. So all of our all of our media is stored in the cloud, which if you asked me two years ago, I would say, ooh, I don't want to do that. It would be very difficult to access. But we have partnered with uh, different uh, service providers, one of them being Oracle, and that's where we store all of our footage that really allows us to create content faster because there's no processing time, which is just mind-blowing. Um, but also to hold large amount of data uh, that we don't have to put somewhere physically. Uh, and I think also that something that is incredible for us on the content creation is we normally have around 10 people on the ground filming content for us. That content then gets sent to our, our team in London and all of the features that you see on the broadcast and on digital were sent over the internet and created either on the same day or on the next day ready for broadcast. That so you have full remote workflow. You have ten people on site sending the, the the video across to your London IBC, and then from there you redistribute, put the graphics, and deliver the content to all your partners. We create, we use, we get all the raw, and we edit all of that. And you know, by getting the raw, that means that you need still time to edit, right? So it's not just the fact that that we can get a file sent to us; is we getting raw media sent to us. At a very, very quick speed. And then that still allows us to our creative team to sit down and say, what is the best story? How do we tell the story? And then output that to the world. So, so that innovation for me is that something that is a, is that you don't see that clearly because I think we are all used to watching sport on TV and seeing great content. But the, but the majority of those features that you see in, in other sports, they are created on the ground while they're there. For us, all of them are created remotely and also goes into our broadcast. All of the, the camera feeds that we get in, which is uh, 18 camera feeds, all get fed directly back into London. And from there, we cut the show live. So all the onboards of the team, so every team has an onboard. The, then we have a helicopter that is filming the, the field of play. And then we have two boats that are following the, the action closely. All of that is sent back to London in real time. And the director is sitting down, watching all the feeds and cutting a show live. Yeah. And, and just for our di very digital audience that maybe aren't as familiar in terms of the production workflows, but historically, that's where all nowadays is where all the broadcasters are heading towards have as much uh, remote work done as possible because it really reduces the cost per production if it's well executed uh, and also 
allows you to have a whole other library of feature set because they're all centralized in one place, which makes it easier to capitalize on the technologies that you have internally to have yeah. the best possible output. And I think it's a twofold, right? Because you just say travel. And I think something that we have learned in 2020 and 2021 is travel is becoming more difficult. It, it is being possible nowadays that, that with the right measures that, that we can travel more. But if you have a very talented director, um, he or she might be booked consecutive weekends because they are working in different sports. And if you need to tell them, you need to go to Paris, you need to go to London, and you need to go to New Zealand, they're going to say, sorry, if I have to quarantine, I cannot do them. But now you say, you can work all this time in, in your own home country, then it allows to be hired the best talent as possible without compromising because they need to, to be going to different places. Uh, and, and also the, the, the carbon footprint. You know, we reduce our carbon foot, foot, footprint hugely. And also we become more efficient because if you tell someone that they need to travel to an event and be in a hotel for four days and work for only two and then travel another two days, it's not really efficient when they're just coming in for the days that we are on broadcast and then they're off to the next job. So it really helps us to be more efficient. And once you see it working, you don't see a difference. It is very, very similar to a traditional way of creating content that everyone goes on location, everyone is on the same place. That's super interesting. And I think like you have an advantage here to have like just two seasons behind you because you don't have like a lot of legacy stuff. Uh, so maybe it's like easier. I don't know if it's easier to put this kind of process in place, but maybe it's helpful to not have like uh, any legacy right, right now. Well, it is a two, it's a, it's good and bad, right? It is good because we can be flexible, right? We can say that didn't work. Let's change it. Let's find a way to, to make it work because, as you say, there's no legacy conversations. There's not someone saying, well, we used to do it this way. Well, uh, we always like to follow this workflow. But at the same time, it's difficult because we are, in a way, pioneers on creating remote production. Our season one was one of the first productions that was fully remote. Uh, and luckily, we won a lot of awards. But it wasn't easy. And, and still in season two, it's still not easy. You know, all of our graphics are done remotely. So what, what makes sailing accessible to people uh, is having some graphics over the water so you can see where they're going and you know where they're turning. The, all of that is remotely. So when something goes wrong, it's still tricky to, to find a way to fix it. And, and the, the delays that are cure to, to, to fix it, maybe a longer you were sitting next to each other. But the payoff is worth it that in the future, once things we are comfortable with, you won't see the difference and the efficiencies will be there uh, to, be, to reap the benefit of. Um, I have a last one for you. Like, is there an impact of the content that you are creating? So basically, like, you are working remotely, so you are not like within the action. So sometimes it can be hard to like find the right message and just like to feel the atmosphere, you know, as an editor. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was one of our fears. And I think that fear started uh, when we went into working remotely in our day-to-day -day job uh, for CellGP. But what I realized is that the communication with our team was going to be the crucial part. So having continuous communication on, what are they doing, you know, just on content creation in between events, what are they doing and what are they trying to achieve and what are we trying to achieve with that piece of content. But then when we go to the events, um, I haven't been to the last two events to Bermuda and Toronto. I was in the first event that I, when I joined CLGP in Sydney 2020, but since then I haven't been on location. But yet I think that where content hasn't suffered on the atmosphere. Why? Because we have 10 very talented content creators on the ground that are able to capture that sense of an, an event happening. And with the information that we get from them, communications, meetings, discussions, we're able to then put that on the screen and, be, and make sure that we're giving justice to the event that is happening. So yes, the, the fear is always there saying, if I'm not there, I cannot really put it on the screen what, what the event is happening. But also we, we do have a talented team and it's just all about building that confidence and relationship between the two sides that are working, the guys that are working remotely and the guys that are on location. 
Yeah, and, and if, I, if I'm not wrong, like this year you already had like two events, one in Bermuda, another one in Toronto. The first one with no audience uh, on site and the, the second one with audience, right? Yes. So we do are able to have limited audience on site because um, people we welcome people to come on their own uh, boat to, to the race course so they can they can be in a COVID safe way. Uh, but you're right. In Italy, we, we saw a lot of fans turning up. And for us, it was very exciting because it was the first time we were racing in Italy and the reaction was incredible. Going forward, um, we, we're still going to be welcoming people uh, to our events. There's going to be situations that we might not be able to welcome to a large number of people uh, to be together as a spectators. But I think that's where, say, the, the offering that we have on our digital channels is very important because we still want people to, to enjoy the sport, even if they cannot come to our events this year. But our goal, as we were saying, is to keep coming back and to be a longstanding championship. So if, if we go, if our next event is in the UK and there's some limitations of people, that they can enjoy it and then be looking forward for the next season when we're looking to come back. Yeah, definitely. And it reminds me a little bit the strategy of the of World Surf League too, because you know, like on site, you are like far from like the athletes, from, from far from the action. So it's quite complicated to like follow something. Um, so yeah, that's why like your support in terms of digital and coverage is really key, just to like understand what is happening, like um, in on the sea uh, right now. Yeah, I think. You know, when, when you look at our, our fan profiles, we I see them as, if I simplify it, we have two fan profiles, the super sailing fan and the new audience. The super sailing fan, all they want is raw action. The more we put music and editing, the, the more they hate it uh, because all they want is just the raw. They want to analyze it. They want to consume it. They want to feel that they're just it's just there for them. Uh, and also they want the behind the scenes. They want to be feel part of a team. They want to know if the French athlete is upset or he's happy, how he's feeling about the, the race that just happened. The new audience is a huge challenge, right? Like we need to educate a large portion on what sailing is. And when you think about traditional sports, you never watch a broadcast of football, basketball, where they explain the sport. Right, they just say we are here is team A versus team B, and and they go into in depth on either strategy or the background. For us, if we go that deep in our broadcast, we lose quite a huge portion of our audience. So for us to educate on the sport is what we are working overtime to make sure that we can simplify it so they can understand the the basics of what is happening on the screen, so then they can engage and start looking into the storylines and the human aspects of the athletes that are taking part. So, so for us, is making sure that on the digital and on broadcast, we are creating content that is serving those super fans that just want the raw sailing and what they love, but also creating content that helps new audiences to understand what LGP is. And then for me, the common ground is the behind the scenes, the human story, because I think every both sides of the of those two two profiles can come together on knowing what an athlete is going through, what are they trying to achieve, what are the obstacles, what, what are they dreaming, what are they hoping to achieve in, in the championship. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Super interesting. And I hope like we, we convince our audience to, to, to watch SEGGP uh, over the over the season. Uh, I think the next event is in Plymouth in, in the UK, right? Yeah, so our next event is on the 16th and 17th of July in Plymouth. Uh, as I said, you can watch it on, on YouTube, Facebook, uh, on our CLGP app. Uh, and I think for anyone watching it for the first time, what is exciting for me is the speed that they go. Uh, I think that the first image that you have of sailing is it's quite far, it's boring, it's slow. I don't really know what is going on. Give us one race. Uh, and I think you, you will fall in love with, with the action and the speeds that, that these uh, catamarans are, are racing. It is really exciting. And I don't say it because I love sailing. I'm, I'm not a, a sailing fan. I wasn't. But I am a, a sport fan. Uh, and I love the intricacies that the sport can offer. And I think on the sporting side, we, we have a lot to offer. And I think people can 
can start to see uh, where we, we can go with this championship. Definitely, and fully agree about that. Uh, I'm already convinced. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll check it out on digital, and we're coming to Saint-Tropez. Please, please come to Saint-Tropez. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be one of... Um, uh, it's going to be another great event of, of summer. I think in the coming months, we're going to have an event every month. Uh, and yeah, I think Saint-Tropez is, is looking to be one of the, the good ones. Awesome. Do you want to add something? Uh, I think it, it's already like the time to conclude this podcast. Do you want to add something, uh, Jose, Sam? Uh, I think on my end, like I'm pretty happy like about this podcast because we covered a little bit like what is CGP, uh, what you're doing, which is awesome. And I hope we, we convince some people to just watch at least one time to have like their own opinion on what you are doing. But uh, honestly, that's really awesome what you created in, in, in just two seasons, you know? Yeah, one thing, and before we leave the final word to Jose, I think it's a great use case for a lot of people thinking about how their organization is shifting in terms of the model that is being deployed there, the content distribution strategy, the storytelling that you guys are putting together. It's It, it, it was a really exciting and nice conversation to have, Jose. Very th Thanks a lot for participating. No, thank you. Um, I hope that um, this gives a... Uh, a picture of what we're trying to do. I think in CLGP, we know that it's just the beginning. Uh, there's a lot of things that we want to achieve going forward, but I think we're proud of what we, the foundations that we have laid down. And on the content side, I think for me, what we're working very hard in our team is creating those storytelling uh, story. What we're looking, working very hard is to create those stories that can people come back and stay uh, and follow. I think that is what is going to help us to to grow uh, and to show that it's more than just the sport, that there's a lot of drama behind the scenes. Uh, and, and I think that it will become a very good entertainment proposition on, on the years to come. Cool. Thanks a lot, Jose. And thanks to our audience uh, for listening to this new episode. Uh, we hope you, you liked it uh, as we did. And uh, see you next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. Le corner.